Hey, on this week's episode of the Wanderings and Wool Gathering podcast, we review the new Mute. We also talk about our favorite hidden tracks or bonus tracks on albums. Let's get into this, shall we? It's another episode of Wanderings and Wool Gathering. Here's Foggy. Welcome to Wanderings and Wool Gathering, episode 23, the enigmatic, significant 23. Let's rewind nearly 60 years. In 1960, author William Burroughs heard a sailor named Captain Clark talk about having successfully sailed for 23 years without incident. Later that same day, Clark's ship sank, killing him and everyone else on board. Also that day, Burroughs listened to a radio broadcast which reported on an airliner crash in Florida. It was flight, you guessed it, 23, and the pilot was another Captain Clark. If that weren't enough, Julius Caesar was reportedly stabbed 23 times. William Shakespeare was born on April 23rd and died on April 23rd. Aleister Crowley supposedly created the famous V sign, the two fingers up, three down. And the first Morse code transmission was, What Has God Wrought? A passage from the Bible, Numbers 23, 23. And yes, folks, Michael Jordan wore number 23 on his way to sparking one of the greatest GOAT debates of all time. And now we find fellows bring you episode 23. Coincidence? Yeah, probably. I'm your host, Foggy. <laughs> and with me, as always, JPP. Hey, guys. And T-Bags. T-Bags, too hot for TV. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. I feel like I, I went back to college and started the radio station. Man, yeah, that's why I, I love it so much. I was really wanting this to be recorded on March 23rd, not 24th. So close. Dang it. Anyway, it is March 24th. It's Sunday. We're all coming off of weekends. And um, this episode will be filmed Sons Metalhead Monday. But uh, we have our usual crew. What have you guys been doing this weekend? Well, for us, we uh, are wrapping up spring break. My daughter had her uh, two-week spring break stint, and so that's coming to a close. It's been very crazy and busy and fun. Um, we haven't wrapped up our video yet for the No, I'm on Spring Break song, but we are still working on that. And um, we've had some creative adventures. And, you know, when, when they go back to school, part of you is like, all right, kind of back to the normal grind but at the same time you're like okay i'm gonna miss that because that was a really good time so that's what we've been up to excellent yeah that sounds fun um we i've been we had some decent weather so i i went hiking the other day and uh it was kind of cool me and my dog are both trying to lose weight so um (laughs) on the way back we got about over half a mile into the hike and on our way back we decided to take the the steep route and went up this up these hills and ended up resting at a spot and there was uh the dog was facing me and i have a doberman who's got a pretty high prey drive he's facing me and i'm facing out and we're about five feet from a kind of a ledge and about 20 deer came running at us like we'd been sitting there long enough that we were just quiet and the wow. wind must have been just right because they were just headed right for us and one of them caught our scent i think and stopped and there's just a line of deer and so I, I stood up to try to spook them because I didn't want the dog to see them first. And they took off every which way and he got up and he wanted to take off after them. And it was just, uh, I thought we were going to go over the edge. It's funny because deer, I mean, they can just, they can go anywhere they want. They're so mm-hmm. agile, you know, 
but uh, an overweight dog and an overweight 45 year old guy are two <laughs> way different things. <laughs> uh, so by the time I finally get back to the car, like I thought my shoulder separated and, <laughs> but it was, it was nice to be outdoors actually. And, and to see that was actually pretty awesome. So oh, I'm sure here's the question though. Did you shout at any point in this whole situation? Did you yell? Oh dear. <laughs> no, I did not. Oh, missed opportunity. I'm telling you. <laughs> But I'm I'm giving you points for that one. <laughs> You're welcome. Dad jokes for the win. Yes. <laughs> Stevie, what about you? Uh well, we uh Marianne and I went to the Indy Fuel hockey game today, which we saw our team go up seven to two, only to win seven to six, and uh, have to make a stop with point five seconds to go to win the game. So uh it was really exciting. That was fun. So that was the highlight of my weekend for sure. We just started spring break. So I have a few days off so I can get some yard work done. Nice. Well, that good fun stuff. But that's it. Nice. Right. I think it's about time for a challenge. That yes, it is. Yeah. By the way, who's giving the challenge this week? Please don't say me. It was me. It's me. I'm, I'm next. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting worried because I didn't have one. So Got but anyway, let's tackle this week's. And this one was uh, tea bags. So just remind us what the challenge was. Weekly challenge. Yeah, just to recap, um, we're gonna bring to the table our three favorite B sides. If you guys remember the the old B sides from either forty fives or CD singles, mm-hmm. and um, or cassette singles, um, or bonus tracks, things that were like hidden somewhere on the album. Yep, and that's it. Very cool. Well, I kind of cheated, so I don't even care. <laughs> Tony you. cheats every week, so suck it. <laughs> 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 um i'll explain why are we gonna do round table yeah we can do that okay we'll, we'll do round table i'll go first just because um this was it, seemingly you would think oh this is an easy challenge you know um but i have not listened to music in that way in so long that um i've kind of lost touch with, with with what a lot of those were and um so i went with more of B-sides, yes, but then also like rare EPs that were largely unnoticed or back in the day you had to get as an import or or yeah. something like that. Um, and I thought about some things. Like there were some cool ones. Um, like Public Enemy had a really cool one called Ferocious Soul um, where you had to rewind the first song uh, to get to it. Mm-hmm. And it was really cool. But, you know, I don't listen to it anymore, so the significance isn't there for me. So that's why I decided to cheat. <laughs> Fair enough. All right then. That's um, <laughs> now we're talking. Um, well, the number one. And this is one of my favorite songs of all time, which is really cool. And I bet you can guess what it might be, Tony. Because heard it. Damn. No, <laughs> that was not a B side. No, but it's one of my favorite songs that we've heard in concert a couple of times. And um, sometimes we hear it with different lyrics. As a matter of fact, because nobody really knows what they are. But um, my first choice is "Yellow Lead Better" B side off of Jeremy, and. Yeah, I I didn't know if you'd have that in there. I almost didn't choose it for that reason, but it's one of my all-time favorite songs, so I had to go with it. Yeah, um, I did not have that one on there, but that's because my list couldn't be way too long. But that's such a good one, and yeah, we have seen it, and such a really good closer. Yes. Does anybody, including Eddie, know the lyrics to that one? I just know we have a boxer in a bag, and that's about the only thing that seems to say the same <laughs> for each, each time I hear it. Yeah. <laughs> have but you seen the grooves? Like, 
Have you seen the little videos of people that like animate what they think the mister lyrics are? The wizard on a whale? Yeah. <laughs> that's our favorite one, yeah. Yeah, that's good. I'll see if I have to find that and put that in the show notes because that is hysterical. And when they put the lyrics at the bottom, you yes. can totally hear it. Yeah, I'll make a note. We'll put that one in for sure. Cool. Okay. <laughs> All right. Paul, what you got, man? Well, I <clears throat> excuse me. I, it was this was a tough one for me just because I was trying to remember some of the experiences with hidden tracks and you know, B-sides, of course. I usually um, didn't do a lot in the way of singles. Of course, I did some of the Metallica ones, especially after hearing Injustice for All and and kind of fiending for something new from them. I came across like the one single and found Bread Fan and things like that. But uh, I didn't put it on my list just because, um, you know, of course, it was fantastic cover and and Stone Cold Crazy was awesome, too. But I went along the uh, bonus cut route and I really dug in and started uh, trying to read some some. things about some creative ways to be creative or creative ways to uh, release a hidden track as well. But um, I'll start with my first one. And this one, honestly, completely oblivious when I was, you know, young and, you know, a a baby music music lover, if you will, kind of like baby metalhead. Um, I had a, a nice square CD player stereo with two speakers that I placed on top of the the, the shelves in my room and um, the controls were very basic. It didn't even have a manual. Um, my, my parents just gave me the unit and I never got the manual on it. So I didn't know I could actually hold down the fast forward button and kind of preview ahead or rewind and things like that in the track. It was always, I got to listen to this thing from the very beginning. So when I got Nirvana's Nevermind, I listened to that album and I ended up falling asleep. And I remember kind of dozing off after the last song played and I was snoozing and all's well and all of a sudden this huge wall of sound hits wakes me up out of a dead sleep and that's how i discovered endless nameless from the nirvana nevermind album i didn't know 15 minutes after the end song there was a bonus cut so (laughs) i wanted to list list that one because that was my first experience with a hidden track well that's cool i mean it's heart stopping but (laughs) (laughs) yeah certainly Uh, luckily i was a teenager and resilient and could handle it but i was just like what on earth so the question for you, Paul, is did it melt your face? Um, no, it was cool. But, uh, you know, I went back and listened to it, you know, several times. I did learn that um, it was a certain era of pressing where that was on there in that fashion. And anything past, I think, 1994, it's not on the CD like that anymore. I don't even know if it's on the CD anymore. So um, unfortunately, in college, when I was hurting for rent, I think that CD went uh, bye bye. So I don't have it any longer. But, you know, maybe I'll find it again someday. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, speaking of fast forward, I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but uh, remember the further down the spiral versions, Paul, the remixes from mm-hmm. Network Spiral? Yeah. There was one um, track on there that was uh, a version of Eraser. And uh, remember when you'd fast forward a CD, you could actually still hear it? Mm-hmm. Um, Trent and them had like stretched that, that one that's real stretched out that sounds like somebody's screaming real slowly. Yes. He's saying erase me, but it stretched out over the entire track. I remember that. That's okay. Cool. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. And, you know, it's so clever that, you know, people take the time to calculate that. And 
um, you know, makes things kind of unique and mysterious. Yeah. And when you start really playing with it, you're like, Oh, that's, you know, it kind of unlocks the puzzle at the, after we're done with our challenge, I want to go into a little brief thing, depending on how this conversation goes, if you guys mention it or not. But um, I, I definitely, I'll say this. I definitely wanted to, to dig into what this guy is doing further after reading about it. So, okay. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And I, I'm interested to hear that. And I, I don't even know what people are doing these days to like surprise people, but um, okay, I'm going in order, uh, backwards order. So my number three, I do have a couple honorable mentions, but I'll get to this at the end. Okay. Uh, mine also, Steve, is a Pearl Jam song. And I don't know if it was an official single. I remember getting it um, kind of as a, as a B-side to a single um, off of a bootleg back in the day. But then it ended up showing up on Rarity. Or what's the, uh, is it Rarities and B-sides? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, but Angel by Pearl Jam. Um, and that was, if you remember back in the day, it was the drummer wanted to play guitar on a song. So they used to do it live a lot where the drummer would come out from behind the, the kit and and then Eddie would sing and that guy would play guitar. And but the lyrics are super uh, cool. So I really like that song. And uh, a funny story about that one. Um, as I was reviewing that song tonight, and it starts off like a, as like an angel fly over your house, you know, and it ends with like a, you know, I am right beside you basically. Um, but as I was listening to that song, my cousin texted me and asked if she could see a video of my sister that's passed away because she's been thinking about her and she just feels like she's kind of right there with her and she wanted to see her again on the, because I have had some YouTube videos of her. So it was kind of a, weird moment out of all the moments in the day, 50 some seconds into listening to that song and get a text about that. So. Right. Wow. Yeah. I guess you chose the right song. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. So that's my number three. Very cool. I did think about Dirty Frank or B-Girl just because they're so funny. But Dirty Frank is so funny. Yeah. It is the best, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, so we're after number two? Yep. yep. Good, good first round, I think. Yeah, totally. Okay, so I went uh, the EP route on this one, um, early Smashing Pumpkins. And uh, the EP was Lull. And um, it had a great remake of A Girl Named Sandoz, which I loved. I love the guitar in that. But the song I picked off of that that I absolutely love is Slunk. Um, and this was back when they were really with the heavy guitars and mm-hmm. um, before they kind of refined it. I mean, they kept the layers and all that kind of stuff, but he definitely kind of changed that over the years but man in the beginning he just hits you with uh some awesome tasty guitar licks and that one's definitely one of them i don't know if i remember that song um you can find it everywhere but we'll put it in the show notes for sure yeah for sure that that era of smashing pumpkins is fun and how cool is it i know we talked about it before but now that he's got his old strat back i've seen some videos of him just wailing on it Mm -hmm. and it's just like man that's such a great sounding guitar and i love that it's firing him up and he's kind of revisiting that era again so i'm kind of excited for the next chapter and what he's up to after after having that guitar back i am too because jimmy chamberlain posts all the time about how happy he is and everything's going so great and the band's getting along the three of them especially yeah i'm looking forward to it paul number two this next this next piece was from um a band that i don't really follow a ton but uh it's a special actually kind of a pre-roll track on a cd it's the band blind melon um they they weren't really my thing back in the 90s but um, Mm -hmm. on the album soup if you go to the opening track 
and uh, I think it's called Galaxies, but if you rewind, you get to a little hidden pocket of a song called Hello Goodbye. I and, remember that. Yeah, what's really cool about that is, uh, you know, Shannon was from Lafayette, Indiana, and at the time when I worked at the music store at Karma Records, um, one of my cohorts there named Brian, a fantastic musician, he was a shredder back in the day, and he started doing really experimental acoustic music with more intricate workings and finger tapping and uh, complex chords, things of that sort. And he really became good buddies with a guy named Michael Kelsey in Lafayette, who also knew Shannon Hoon. And Shannon is the kind of the, and I'm sorry, the Michael Kelsey is the kind of percussive acoustic guitar on, on that track. And as I understand it, I think he even went on tour with them during that uh, album's tour and uh, was with the opening act and whatnot. And I've seen him live a handful of times. I remember one time he came into our guitar store just to look around and he was inches away from me and he started down tuning one of the guitars and my boss kind of gave him a look and I said, no, this is, it's fine. Trust me, I know this guy. And he just started um, playing and smacking and you know, doing some crazy bends and stuff. I couldn't stop grinning ear to ear, just watching just how umbilical the acoustic guitar is for this guy. Like he even has like a pinball that he'll use on the guitar to kind of create sounds and part of the performance. And he doesn't need anybody else up there with him because he's playing the drums and strumming the chords and everything and singing on top of it. He's the one man band. But uh, if you ever get a chance to see him live, I do highly suggest it. If you go on his website, you can get on his mailing list and he'll let you know when he's local and all that kind of stuff so uh that one's special to me for that reason that's cool awesome. i think michael kelsey plays at the rome academy once in a while yeah yeah and he goes to birdies and you know he hits local circuit a lot but he, i know he travels too in fact he played a, a guitar contest called guitar mageddon down in texas and he won a taylor guitar as a result um from what i heard he was like man this is great is there any way you guys can make me a special one there's things that i like about you know these features yeah, no problem. Mm -hmm. So he got a special custom tailor from them. Cool. That's a good one. Thanks. Nice local twist. Um, okay, so um, I'm moving on to my number two. And uh, this one was actually like an unreleased track that floated around for a long time. Ended up finally making the last album. So it was kind of uh, just kind of an, I say, un a hidden track because you just had to kind of find it where you could and it was only live versions but um it's called the box by damien rice mm -hmm. and uh what i really love about this not only the lyrics and i'm a lyrics guy but um it has so many kind of different forms i mean he perform it live and it, you get a good recording or a bad recording or a little bit different version but so when it finally made the album i was just ready for it to be a clean recording of the song and about uh, into the second verse, maybe, or somewhere around there, um, piano comes in, which never happened on any of the live ones. So it also took on another life, not only being a clean version on an album cut, but uh, added instrumentation too. So um, it it went from being one of my favorite unreleased songs to being kind of my favorite song on that album. Oh, very cool. Yeah. He's fantastic. I saw him live and it, it, talk about somebody who can just be up there with the guitar and kind of command an audience. He, he's the same way. Yeah. Not that he's percussive and stuff with that, but he's just, he's a showman and, and super talented. Nice. Very cool. That's cool. Yeah. All right. Round three. Round three, sir. Round three. All right. I cheated again. Oh, wow. I know. That's so true. <laughs> um, well, you know, I mean, there, you could pick like, um, uh, let's see, like Hound Dog was a side B, you know. We are the champions, 
side B. I mean, so there are amazing songs out there, but again, I don't go to those uh-huh. frequently. Um, so I cheated. I went to an EP. And uh, this one, I don't know if you guys are big Arctic Monkeys fans, oh. but I love them. I really love their early stuff because his voice, um, his voice still sounds amazing. But back in the early, early days, it still had that kind of Cockney strength to it. I don't know. Um, it was a lot stronger accent, it felt like. Um, and right after the album, Whatever People Say I Am, That's What I'm Not, they did a little EP, and there's a mm. song on there, and I don't think I've heard it anywhere else. It's called Despair in the Departure Lounge, uh, about losing a girl. Uh, okay. So good. And it's slow, and his voice just kills it on that. Um, and his, like the new album's pretty good, but it's just, if you listen to those old records, it's just something different, and uh, they're special. Uh, so that's that's my number three cool nice jpb that was my turn again wow man time flies when you guys are having fun i'm telling you one of the times metal metalhead monday was on uh we mentioned on broken like there's two different versions where you get the little mini disc uh for the bonus tracks versus you know listen let the uh silence kind of advance the tracks until you get to uh, the bonus tracks but i really liked the two bonus cuts i'm gonna squeeze those in as one hidden track experience on the, the broken uh ep from nine inch nails was uh, you're so physical by adam and the ants and uh suck mm-hmm. that he performed with pig face um yeah. and it was just really cool because the version i got originally uh was on cassette and i remember finding those after letting the b-side run for a while and then two different copies of broken and i got the one with the the, the mini version of it. And then I actually found the version with, without it. So, um, you know, we, I think we mentioned, you know, with today's CD players and the vehicles, you just kind of slide it into the slot. It'd be hard to play that little tiny disc, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, nonetheless with, with the internet, you can find versions to listen to and nobody really cares about physical formats here these days anyway. So, <laughs> but yeah, that was, yeah. that was just really cool. You know, especially after you're getting, you know, kind of your brain blasted with the intensity of the, the main songs on the album. And then he kind of plays it into a different feel with uh, you're so physical. And then, um, then, you know, of course the, the pig face tune. So it's pretty cool. Yes. Yeah. That was cool. I think we all owned that. And Paul, you probably are like me. We, we heard the pig face version way before we heard the nine shells version mm-hmm. and uh yep. the pig face version was very like down and dirty kind of a you know rock in a club type feel mm-hmm. and then the nine shells one was very uh electronic and groovy so yeah yep exactly it. cool little, to see it take on little adam and the ant side note here my yes. first party that i went to at uh maple crest middle school in sixth grade i dressed up as adam ant nice my mother was quite the seamstress, and she made me the whole the whole costume. Wow, so, that's awesome! Yeah, ladies dug me. I mean, what am I gonna say? Hey, you got a man. <laughs> if there's a photo, we have to post it on the Facebook page for sure. Absolutely. I will. I guarantee there is. I'll I'll text my mom. She actually texts now, which is funny. But uh, nice. I'll see if there's a photo she can send me, and I'll I'll put it on there. So, and if there's not, I'll make one. Yeah. <laughs> That might so, be better. I may just want that. I don't. Know. If not, I'll I'll be like uh, Will Ferrell and Wedding Wedding Crashers. Mom, the photo now. We <laughs> yes. want it. That is such a good scene. Yeah. The meatloaf. So my number one is uh, a song. It's Nice Nails as well, and it's a song called Ten Miles High. And uh, the reason I really love this song is it's experimental and gritty and 
dark and heavy and all that kind of stuff that I love Nine Inch Nails. They've actually gotten back to that too. Mm-hmm. But um, but there are several other reasons I love it. Um, I got it while I was in New Orleans, one of my favorite cities, and it was a B side to uh, the "We're in This Together" single. And um, I remember listening to it like taking off on the plane, and it was just surreal to have like a soundtrack to watching the whole world get smaller beneath you. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and then later on, and I, I had the fragile vinyl from early on, uh, but I just didn't open it. And so when they re-released it, um, you know, people kind of uploaded the tracks, and uh, Ten Miles High actually was on the fragile. It just didn't make it on the CD cut. Um, and there's like Trent said he left little like remnants of it in the album, um, but you can kind of see where it's placed now that they have this extended version on vinyl. And so my favorite Nine Inch Nails album is The Fragile, and so it all fits like right back together as like a puzzle. And uh, But it was kind of backwards because I found the song way before I knew it was part of The Fragile. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, I'll have to go back and, and dig that out. It's been a long while for sure. But um, And it's always cool like when you're on a plane and you kind of set your soundtrack for the, the trip and um, the scenery sometimes will accentuate it or sometimes uh, create a mood where you're like, uh, maybe I should switch it to something else. It's a little too dark for me. Yeah, 35,000 feet in the air. <laughs> I don't know. You kind of, you kind of come to terms with meeting your maker sometimes. Right. <laughs> and we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back in a moment. You are listening to the wanderings and wool gathering podcast, and we appreciate it. Did you know you can connect with us? Contact us at info at wanderings and if you prefer Facebook, look us up under Wanderings and Wool Gathering. Or if you'd like to add us on Instagram, check out Wanderings and Wool Gathering. I'm sure you notice a pattern. We'll talk to you soon. All right, we're back. In the middle of the challenge here, we have gone through our rounds, and I think Tony had some honorable mentions, yes? Yes, I have some honorable mentions, and I've got uh, a couple of write-ins from Metalhead Monday, and then I think you have some as well, Paul. So. Yep. Uh, honorable mentions pretty much fly through these, but um, footsteps by Pearl Jam. I mentioned that last week when I when I issued the challenge, mm-hmm. um, but it is the same music as uh, Times of Trouble off of Temple of the Dog, and so it's very interesting that they shared the music. But footsteps is also part of that trilogy that uh, kind of Eddie put together for Pearl Jam with mm-hmm. um, like Once Alive and Footsteps. So there's like a storyline that goes with that. Very cool. Um, memorabilia by Nine Inch Nails. Um, it's a fantastic track. I love it. And also, there's some pretty, really weird kind of party rock store story, rock star stories that go along with some things that were sampled for that. So nice. Um, uh, yeah, search the internet for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, the the beginning of uh, memorabilia. I guess I'll say it here. You can censor it if you want, but um, it's just kind of on loop of someone saying, "What do your nipples look like?" So. <laughs> That gives you gives you a little taste of how that's gonna go, um, and then uh, the, the professor, and then it's got like some French title to it too. But it's a Damien Rice song off of um, Rarities and B sides, or I mean B sides, um, and it's just a fantastic song. It's got a lot of like waltzy type guitar um, to it, and then it, and it goes into like a kind of a French song at the end. But it's very cool. So those are my honorable mentions. Do you guys have any before I dig into Metalhead Monday? or I do not, actually. Okay. Stevie? I'm on pins and needles. I can't wait to find out what Metalhead is loving. Okay. Right. Well, what I like is that he provided some facts to go along with it. Um, 
and all three of his were Debbie Gibson. Oh, and wow. so, yeah, I know. I thought it would be Backstreet Boys, and he just totally floored me. But um, he uh, he really liked "Don't Flirt with Me" by Debbie Gibson because it was only um, appeared on her live around the tour VHS. Um, since he, and he said that he has uh, paid every year to have that converted to whatever new medium there is. Um, hopelessly devoted to you. Uh, <laughs> she, uh, she apparently did that for uh, the Grease soundtrack and uh, something he said he remembers dancing to quite a bit when he was younger. And then uh, Love or Lust, and he said that that was uh, Debbie Gibson at her grittiest. So, oh. those are the three. I think of Debbie me. Gibson, I certainly think gritty. So, mm. yeah. yes, sure. he's going with that. That explains why he sent me just the one because I don't think he wanted me to remember the Debbie Gibson days. But he was like, "Hey, please be sure to include one of my favorite bonus tunes. It's from the For the Fans CD three from Backstreet Boys called My Religion." So, you know, hey, he definitely wanted to get a little Backstreet Boys in there, but he just, uh, okay. you know, he couldn't fess up to the, the other portion to me for whatever reason. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. I know. I remember during that, that time period, um, he had called me one day because he's a huge B-side guy and he was uh-huh. devastated when Camp Rock had no B-sides. <laughs> <laughs> no hidden tracks. So yeah. he was bummed. It took him a while to come out of that one. That's when... Uh... Yeah, baby, metalhead Monday became a man. <laughs> just <laughs> learned there was no beast. You can't have everything you want, man. So Wish I had a Michael Bolton impression. I can, when a man loves metal, <laughs> <laughs> something I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, um, so you know, with this journey of finding tunes for this challenge and just kind of jogging my memory, I remembered talking to some buddies who are huge Jack White fans and. Um, you know, Jack has had some creative ways of releasing tracks that are hard to find. Have you ever dug into that or heard about that at all? Uh, oh, yeah. No. I mean, I've heard of like some like physical stuff that he's done with the vinyls, but go ahead. Yeah. So like there's a double groove. There's like an alternate groove you have to manually put the uh, needle into and you play another part. That okay. fascinates me. I'd love to know more about that. So that's a rabbit hole I'll get into sometime soon. But apparently... Yes. um he had a project with a buddy, like when they were upholstering sofas and furniture, uh, and they uh-huh. called the project the upholsterers, and they put 100 limited edition vinyls that they pressed themselves into some of these sofas, and yeah. uh, somebody got into the couch and found two copies of this album and looked into it and confirmed that, yeah, it was a Jack White release. So That's I'll put crazy. the link to that in the show notes. That's pretty wild. Um, but yeah, and I've heard, I, I have, I was trying to find it online. I couldn't find a link to it, but a buddy of mine said that apparently on a regular vinyl record, if you tore the label off the top, there was another smaller little record with a little track on that as well. Um, That's great. But, but again, I, I don't have any uh, information on that to, uh, to back it up, but you know, nonetheless, I mean, there's creative ways that he's trying to release material and sprinkle it out there and just create gems and, and attention in unique ways so um that's really cool and um, makes me want to uh dig into his repertoire further and see if i can find some some uh little sonic nuggets for lack of a better way to say it no for sure i know he's done some hologram stuff too on the vinyls yeah which is a hidden track but still a nice touch Mm -hmm. and then i think have it have either of you guys been steve have you been to third man records yes yeah. Okay. Don't they have like a booth where you can record something on vinyl and mm-hmm. press it and you can mail it from there? Yeah. You step inside the booth, you play your guitar, or whatever, sing, and it creates one on the spot for you. I think he actually took that booth onto 
I think he did it on Fallon. Okay. There and I think maybe he had uh, Neil Young come out and step in and do something. That's uh, very awesome. cool. But yeah, it's there in the Third Man Record Shop. Nice. Yeah. When I was uh, working with the acoustics company, uh, me and a colleague had to go out west to Tucson, Arizona for a convention. It was recording in pro audio convention and real small scale. At the event where we were sitting at, at our booth next door to us was a guy who had this real archaic looking machine and mm-hmm. um, he was playing records on it. And then later on, uh, we had to go set up treatment for one of our indoor seas so you could do this mix experience and uh this guy wanted to borrow some other treatment as well so we took a whole bunch of panels to his place and he was tracking bands that night he was bringing everybody and you know they could from tucson come on in record your album on vinyl you get you know one copy right there on the spot for you guys to use you can you know distribute it any way you see fit put it to cassette and all that kind of stuff and it was not you know of course high quality but it was a nice lo-fi experience for this band to do something unique and he was just pressing in there he had a whole stack of just like these blank plates to work with and apparently they were up till six in the morning doing that so you saying that just re- reminded that for me of that entire experience that was a, a fun weekend that's cool well all right that wraps up another exciting challenge and that brings us up to thank goodness not me because I didn't think of one, it brings us to Paul and his new challenge for next week. What you yes. got? Well, my challenge is this. Um, I was thinking about it as I was listening to a couple of different styles of music. And, you know, we, we have our heavy hitters and, you know, in the metal realm and things like that and uh, or tunes that are just nice and somber. So I guess my challenge this week is pick three songs that you love. Um, not, you don't have to be favorites, but just songs are like, yeah, this is a good groove. This, you know, hits hard and always pumps me up. Or, you know, when I'm, when I'm just wanting to be pensive, I just want to listen to this. Uh-huh. Try to say, you know, I'd like to hear this reimagined as the opposite. I want to hear this mellow acoustic jam be a metal tune, or I want to hear this metal heavy hitter turn into a ballad or, or something like that, you know, kind of vice versa, if you will. Okay. I don't take some... Some brain processing. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, kind of as, a, as an example, uh, Life of Agony um, has a song called Weeds that uh, is on, I think it's the third album. The title is slipping my mind. I'll put it in the show notes in the Spotify playlist. But um, so on the main part of the album, it's kind of a heavy hitting, almost kind of punkish tune. You know, it's very fast paced and, and in your face. Then at the end of the album, it turns into a slow acoustic jam. And I love both equally so they went ahead and reinterpreted them reinterpreted it themselves i heard it this week and i was like that would be a great challenge so that's my challenge to you that's cool i like that and you know i have to bring in a tool fact here but Mm -hmm. um parable and parabola Mm -hmm. there's something very similar there as far as like the lyrics are the same for the most part between those two songs and one is just this real quiet piece and the other one's right in your face yeah so it kind of reminds me of that too so are we thinking about it in terms of the same artist would redo it and just uh but kind of flip the the feel of it yeah kind of flip the script if you will i mean of course okay. you have hurt that Reznor did in his own fashion then you know I, I don't want to say johnny cash stole it but he owns it in his own way um yeah. you know and it's interpreted in a, in a similar fashion but it's it takes a whole new turn so but i'm saying you know take the intensity and flip it entirely where it's if it's driving it's mellow bless you uh if Uh it's intense you know bring it down so okay but i mean like we don't have to come with 
who the artist should be to flip it or anything like that. No, no. Uh-uh. Okay. Same okay. group. Same story. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. Y'all cool, cool with that? I like that. I am. Challenge accepted. Got it. <laughs> I sound nothing like that. I'm far whinier. <laughs> Ma! The podcast. <laughs> Sweet. Oh. Okay. Well, that. Okay. First of all, you know, we're getting ready to do our album review. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I'm not even sure how to pronounce the name. Is it Muet? 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 <laughs> what is, what's the pronunciation by now? I, I don't. I, I, I meant know. to message Stephen just to say, hey, man, for clarification, can I get that? I don't know if it's mute, um, if it's Muet, as you said as well. But mm-hmm. um, let's get into it. And I'm curious to what you guys thought of this, uh, this Sonic experience. Yes. Um, okay. I'll jump in. I never well, go first wanna... on these. Yeah, Paul, since you know Stephen, do you want to do a quick, just uh, a quick intro of of the group? Um, yeah, because you know him a little bit. So, yeah. the the other two guys from the band, um, I believe it's Vince and Mike, or are from a group called Dead on TV, and yeah. it's to my understanding that they lost the guitar player Daniel here uh, not too terribly long ago, and um, the, that band was a different sound altogether very kind of fast pace and and real driving I, I went and listened to a couple of tunes from that just so i can get a reference and see you know how these two different um people i shouldn't say people but gr- people with groups of experience came together and long story short steven was very humbled and uh you know gracious to to come on board and and he you know just really uh was honored i should say is a keyword. To, to do this based off of the post I saw him share and he's, you know, very into it. And one thing I will say about Steven is uh, I've heard hate department and that's been his baby for a long time. And, you know, then we heard standalone and how interesting that, it, that Sonic experience was from him. You know, it's very intimate, very much raw and him, you know, presenting himself in, in a, in an organic way with synthesizers. And then you take this album, and, you know, he's flipping the switch again and he's, you know, in the element as well. So he's definitely somebody who's caught my attention in a great way in that he is going out there, giving it his all and everything has been completely different, but he's comfortable in it. You know, I, whether he is or not, I don't know, but he sure, he sure is delivering it like he owns it. So basically you know he comes from a background these guys come from from a background and they come together and they created this i think they put it like a a rock noir kind of sound and uh i dig it i think it's uh i think it's a cool mesh of of uh experiences put together into one album yeah for sure and that was cool to read that post uh to have some explainer behind it Mm -hmm. um i mean and i think we're Anytime we take these on, even if you know a little bit about someone or kind of know them a little bit, we're still reviewing them honestly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it's still one of these things where, like, for me, I'm just going to jump in because, yeah, uh, I'll even jump in with what I gave it. I gave it a 4.75. Wow. Which is, good. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's almost that, like, giddiness of finding new music that we've talked about before when you used to shuffle through and take a CD home and it kind of actually hits, you know. So mm-hmm. to have something kind of sent your way and you're, I'm only reviewing it because we're doing this podcast and now it's totally, you know, most of these songs are in my playlist now, uh, to work to at work. Um, but 
uh, I'll just give my quick little one sentence things, but I thought the leather jacket perfume song was awesome. I mean, it's good to know a little bit about it from the post, but, mm-hmm. uh, I thought it was an awesome song. Um, muscle had a very Bauhaus feel to it, which is like a really nostalgic, great thing for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know if bands like to hear they sound like someone else. Cause I'm not, I'm certainly not saying they're mocking or, or mimicking or ripping off Bauhaus, but sure. You know, there are worse people to sound like that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, uh, and then these things like how was it, which was ambient, and it really I miss that people take those challenges a little bit in music, you know, just to throw something out there mm-hmm. uh, that, that sounds good and and takes you from one track to the other. Um, I will say weirdest sex had the craziest craziest title, but I thought the song was probably the safest one on on the album, so I kind of expected a little bit more from that just based on the title. Um, uh, I liked reach out and murder. Um, opening up, uh, I enjoyed that one. It was very radio transmissions and tool-esque to a degree, you know, when they'll bring in these, like, you got to listen closely. Is there something hidden in there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, people are quiet. I really loved how droney that kind of was. Um, really good feel to it. On to you. Um, the groove in that was killer. I really liked that one. And can't wait for the weather to completely break so I can drive to that one with my windows down. Yeah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> they can't find me here. Another good transition, I thought. Um, her dad's car. The bass in that and the darker tones in that, that was like definitely a standout track for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and Curve of the Earth, uh, I loved the emotion on this song. And yeah. and I'm big on the how you end an album, and I thought it was perfect way to end it. And then, um, it, you know, I try to do that kind of like, if you like this, you'll like this. And there was a lot of, uh, like I said, Bauhaus, but had a lot of IMX, um, black audio and mesh feel to it too, which are totally like favorites of mine. Uh, all of that to say, four point seven five, and I loved it. It'll get heavy rotation for me. Very good. That's awesome. Yeah. Foggy, would you like to chime in? Yeah, I say ditto. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know what's interesting is <clears throat> we definitely differed on three songs, okay. but um, we have a lot of similarities in what we think about the other songs. Um, the leather jacket perfume. Uh-huh. Uh, a great bass then that catchy guitar kicks in um Uh i thought that was a really strong opener to the record and muscle just kind of continued in that vein i think um the where i differed with teabags was on how it was opening up and (laughs) they can't find me here because they just took me out of the album rather than leading to the next song or adding something interesting for me it just kind of killed it because this other song I don't, there's something simplistic about the guitar on this record that reminded me of like um, like The Edge, where it's so simple, but it sounds great. Or, you know, Matthew Sweet, where you really just lead with that guitar. And there's nothing like just amazing going on with it, but it's just fantastic. And it sounds awesome. And the songs that did that, just I felt like drove the album. And every time one of those other ones popped in there, it just kind of killed it for me. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's fair. Well, going to be honest. Weirdest sex. I totally agree with you on that one. And it was super catchy almost to the point of like you were saying, it's just so safe, you know? Yes. Um, right. <laughs> Reach out murder had a great guitar riff. And I think uh-huh. the vocals were really strong in that song. Mm-hmm. Um, on to you, some funky guitar work going on there. I really like that. And this one had, I think probably the second strongest vocals on the album for me. Um, I thought it, to, to me, it seemed like his singing got better. And I know they didn't necessarily record him in this order, but as the album went, I liked his voice more. Or maybe it was just me getting accustomed to it. 
mm-hmm. but I definitely felt that. Um, her dad's car, yep, had some great guitar work there. And Curve of the Earth, and I thought the exact same thing about closing the record, super emotional, and this was by far his strongest vocals. Um, I thought, it was, yep. you know, the first one, the first song, Leather Jacket Perfume, did not love his vocals. Um, and maybe it was just because that was the first. I loved the music in that song. Uh-huh. I loved the, the the entire feel. But by the end of this record, I thought, man, he'd hit his stride with that vocals, or I hit my stride with him. But uh, that was really good. And I would say, um, after listening a number of times, I would probably give it a good four out of five. Cool. Sweet. And so safe to assume both of you would listen to this album again. Yes. Oh, yes, I definitely will. Yeah. Cool, cool. And, you know, I won't dig into the tunes to the degree you guys have because we're on the same page. I'm, I'm, I'm swinging more towards Tony's um, take on it because I thought that the uh, little interludes were were nice. Um, I listened to it continuously through, uh, had it in, in my uh, earbuds and just uh, let it start and, and run to the end. And, um, you know, the thing is for me as a musician and uh, listening to it from, you know, recording and things like that. What it sounds like to me is the guitar player is running through like a combo tube amp and just, you know, kind of breaking it up, letting, letting the gain be natural. And uh, things are just, again, raw and real. And it sounds great to me. The guitar work is, is really good. It drives, it grooves, it accentuates. The bass line does the same thing. It just keeps the, the pulse going and the drums are a good groove all the way through. And, you know, Steven, again, from what we heard on standalone to this, you know, he's definitely uh, taking, you know, a different direction than what he did. And, you know, let's be honest, two releases within a couple of months of each other, you know, this guy has been busy. So, you know, I was proud of him for the last release. And it's like, you go out and throw two of us, the two of them within the first quarter of the year. Good Lord, man, do you ever sleep? You know, so, uh, and they sounded so drastically different. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, there's two personas running here and it makes me wonder how that workflow went. I'd love to chat with him and say, Hey, would you want to come on the show and talk to us about these albums? So I'm not going to promise anything, but let me ask him. It'd be great to see if he could be willing to do that. But uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I've had the pleasure of playing shows with bands from Chicago um, in the past. And the, while well, these guys sound different than the bands I've played with in the past, there was a group called the Baldwin brothers. That was a trio and uh, they were great as well. But nonetheless, what I hear is the sound of hard work. These guys really hone in on their craft, make sure things are tight. Things are, are just good. They can just plug in and play. Um, and, you know, that's not to take away from any other region, but because Chicago is the other biggest metropolitan area closest to us um you know i just really see that work ethic and they have to to be able to play decent clubs in big cities like that so um i certainly commend them for a fantastic release uh this will be probably an album i listen to a lot through the year and i'm i'm going to I kind of beat Tony and say 4.8. I was going to say 4.7, but, um, you know, and it's not trying to one up you on it, but I mean, I was just that impressed with this, this, uh, you know, outing and I hope they do something else again in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I mean, I know we don't know if he'll end up on the show or not, but it's interesting that I have, because of you and because of the show, I've, you know, got two new, two new albums that I love. Um, based off of this. So it would be really interesting because I love all that behind the scenes stuff to kind of hear how that came about. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, nonetheless, Stephen, we're proud of you, man. And uh, please Absolutely. keep doing this because we're, we're eating it up. Yes. And Paul, you're 
that just means you're the guy who says one dollar on prices right. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> A new car. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, that was uh that was really a fun listen. I'm glad we had that one. Yeah, and this concludes our album review. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man, good stuff, good stuff all across the board. So um, I pitched an album to review for next week. Did you guys get a look at that? I don't remember what you said. Sorry. Okay. It's a group called Beauty and Chaos. And um, the particular song I sent was um, featured Al Jorgensen. It's a T-Rex tune. Gosh, what's that called? Okay. Yeah. So I listened to whatever you sent. Yeah, yeah. So um, what's funny is... Steven shared this on his Facebook. Um, he knows two of the guys from the group. And uh-huh. as he basically described it, sprinkled with guests, covers, and originals. And uh, I've listened to a couple of tunes on it. And I thought it would be good for us to kind of take the ride and kind of see what's maybe original, what's covers, and just hear how their guests uh, reinterpret those covers. What's the name of the album? Uh, it's I think it's called There's Beauty in Chaos. Or Finding Beauty in Chaos is what it's called. And the group name is Beauty and Chaos. That's correct. Okay. Got it. Okay. I'm game. Yep. Groovy. <laughs> All right. Well, that pretty much wraps up the meat of the program. But yeah. uh, before we uh, do sign off tonight, uh, what's everybody listening to this week? T-Bags? Uh, I've got a really weird mix here. Um, <clears throat> of course, because Paul sent that, I was going back to some old ministry. So, uh, especially like Burning Inside. Really love that track. Oh yes. Um, uh, because of this album that we reviewed, uh, I went back and listened to IMX and Bauhaus, Black Audio, and Mesh. And so, in the in the show notes, I'll put a few songs by each of them that I think are worth checking out. Then to round it all out, uh, my friends uh, in a country band called Lokash have a new album coming out next week, and um, they've released four tracks on Spotify and. Uh, there's one on there called Kissing a Girl that is probably going to be the one that you hear at every wedding coming up pretty soon. And uh, then there's one that um, called Brothers, and that's a that's the title of the album. And I just want you guys to listen to it. Um, I, and I know that we all kind of dabble in country, but it's not our main genre. But uh, the <laughs> yeah the um, the the idea behind it is kind of just like the people that you grew up with and, and hung out. And so, I mean, like Paul and Metalhead Monday and uh, Preston who sings in low cash, you know, me and him, it just goes back to kind of where you came from. It's pretty cool. Definitely. And then, uh, watched a short film this weekend called some of us had been threatening our friend Colby, which is really, really odd. It's only a little 15 minute short film. Hmm. Um, and, uh, some good acting and, uh, some, some real decent cinematography shots, but the storyline is, is really strange, but, it's worth checking out, and I, w- I want to see what you guys say about it. So, uh, check that out if you can this week. Let's talk about it. Okay, cool. That's it for me. Sweet. Jay Pizzle, what's going on? <laughs> That's Mr. Jay Pizzle, and I, I do see a doctor for that. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> I uh, see a doctor and get rid of it. That's right. Penicillin, y'all. Hey, uh, no, I, I didn't get a chance to listen to a ton of things. Again, with Kiddo on Spree Break, I spent a lot of time with her, recorded some music uh, a lot this week. But, Man, I've I've been just like neck deep in the guitar. I'm falling in love with you know guitar parts all over again. And you know, I guess 
I'm a finicky artist. I, I spontaneous. And I just kind of do what feels right in the moment, but um, definitely been doing that a lot. And um, we did go see the Lego movie two, the, you know, the second one. I don't know if either you've had a chance to see that, but uh, very entertaining. Um, even if you know see, you see it without kids, it's still funny for adults. There's a lot of little references that the kids will completely not get, especially when it comes to the eighties and things like that. So definitely worth doing that. Watched Captain Marvel as well on Thursday night and uh, enjoyed that wild ride. Um, I've got two flurkins in the house now and I look at them differently and uh, you know, all that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So um, other than that, you know, I've came across that beauty and chaos today and listened a little bit of that. Listened to uh, mute or mute. Sorry. I'll, I'll get confirmation on that. So, and forgive us, Stephen, for not having that pronunciation correctly. That's on us. But uh, also I listened to some dead on TV. I just wanted to get some background and history on, on what those other guys had done in the past too. And I will dig further and I, I'll put a link in the show notes. And if you guys get a chance to listen to that, I think you might enjoy some of the uh, uh, tracks that they've put out in the past as well. Cool. Excellent. Well, um, I got a really bad cold during the week, so I didn't work out as much. So that cut down on a little bit of music listening. Mm. Um, but I did, uh, like Paul, I went to the movies. I caught uh, an early release of Shazam, which uh, has a lot of heart, and it's a very funny movie. Sweet. Uh, really, really enjoyed it. Everybody I was with really liked it. Um, it's, it's a good time. It's got a lot of heart. I think people are really going to dig this movie, even though the costumes are ridiculous. But um, <laughs> Are they really? Yo, like they're just, they just look ridiculous. Look it up, but they fit okay. the show because it's so stinking funny. Um, it's just all about family and, and it's funny and it's less superhero, I guess, than some. So would you say it's like a redemption for DC in, in some regard? Outside of Wonder Woman? Yeah, probably. Cool. It, yeah. It's, it's just a fun movie. Doesn't take itself seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a lot of the same problems with villain, those kind of things, but it's so much fun and, such great heart that I think you can just overlook it and have a good time. Good. Cool. Um, also this week, listen to the Josta podcast. I had Sid Wilson from Slipknot on there. And um, this happened prior to the falling out with Chris Fane. Um, and they didn't talk a whole lot about that. They talked about old touring because uh, Hatebreed and Slipknot toured together. So they had some stories to share. But he talked about this trilogy he's doing um, with videos about this time traveling story with this guy and it, it's a crazy story. It sounds like if anybody reads comic books, a Grant Morrison story, cause it is out there, but it's intriguing enough that I, I want to follow this now and see how in the heck this thing ends. So um, I'm going to try to f- track those down and hopefully in a future episode, if we can track all the pieces of this down as it comes out, we can uh, review that. So it cool. is the, uh, the DJ, DJ mm-hmm. Starscream, If you don't know who he is. That's right. So uh, he's a, he's a character, uh, a lot of fun. So, and then the last piece, I just mentioned it for a second there, but uh, Chris Fane sued Slipknot this week for apparently maybe not getting his share of the pay. Um, I don't even know what to say about that because nobody really knows. It's just interesting that he claims two of the band members are taking more than everybody else, and yet he's the only one who's upset about it. Kind of makes me wonder. What, and then he asked to stay in the band, so who knows? It's kind of an interesting thing. <laughs> Um, yeah. as far as you, you never want to see a guy leave, but you don't want Corey to leave. You don't want clown to leave and you don't want Jim to leave for sure. Um, mm-hmm. 
because that's the heart and soul of the group. So if somebody had to leave, the guy who stands in front of the stage and bangs on a keg is probably the guy you want. Yeah, um, understood. But I don't <laughs> want any of them there. I want them all back. So yeah. we'll see how that one shakes out eventually. Hopefully they can all make it work and uh, get this album and tour going. Forgive me for um, I I don't know the the history of Slipknot you know the early early history but there was apparently somebody had tweeted at Corey saying that it would be awesome to get one of the other singers back in the band I can't remember his name and off the yeah top Cole of my head. Safini yeah that's who it is and uh, I did see his uh, his response to that saying you know that I don't know those guys anymore and you know I'm not going to do that it's like I, it's nothing against them it's just I'm doing my own thing now apparently he has his own band and he has a steady day gig as well and he's just happy with where he's at so uh, but I just thought that was interesting to to get a, a glimpse of you know pre uh, you know broke out big slipknot in that regard because I really didn't know yeah he um, I mean, he was there before Corey mm-hmm. um, they did this very sort of EP version uh, back prior to 98 and uh, then Corey stepped in and that guy then you know stepped out of the limelight at that point and gotcha the rest is history but somebody mentioned it because he did play a little percussion he could he could do some backing vocals and uh and do the drumming up there but uh yeah he said he wasn't interested in doing that he's got a secure job now and he doesn't want to risk it so understood we'll see i think this is all a much do about nothing but we'll see in the end yeah no publicity is bad publicity right exactly (laughs) well all right that my friends was episode 23 and next week we should be back with three songs that uh, we could flip on their heads and uh, we'll see what we come up with on those and uh, we'll be taking a look at beauty and chaos and i think that's it good show fellas hey you too yep all right we'll see you next week bye now bye